Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ranting Atheist Podcast. Today we'll be listening to the deconversional story of a fellow Nigerian atheist and she is always exposed to the three religions in Nigeria, Christianity, Islam and traditional. But personally, she was involved in Muslim when she was very young before Christianity as a result of her mother becoming a Christian. So as she grew up, it began to stop making sense before eventually she stopped believing. So if you are yet to subscribe, kindly subscribe up on Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube and other places podcasts are available. Then if you'd like to share your story, reach out via WhatsApp. The link is in the show notes below. So now, let's go and listen to the deconversion story of Ari. Hello Ari and you are welcome to Story of an Atheist. How are you doing? Hello. I'm doing good, thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Fantastic. It's good to have you here at last. Bye. Thank you. You people that are listening, she sent me an email. Send me more mails. I need more mails. I, I don't know. People people know they send emails, eh? Send I mean, mails. do a lot of people like to reach out? Do you have like a you should have like an online phone thing where we can text you at? Yeah, that's my the what, what we've been texting with. That's what I did. But I don't okay. I think I have not put it. I have mm-hmm. not put it. Okay, maybe I need to put it in the show notes too. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, people are more comfortable with WhatsApp. Okay, that's 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 a good idea. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. It's more it's more easy mm-hmm. to to access. Okay, yeah. so if you are listening to his WhatsApp, we have WhatsApp. Check the link in the show notes below right now. So. I should have put it there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Good idea. Thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, so you're welcome. Uh, we're speaking with Thank Ariel. You. And um, we'd like to know a little more about you. Like, okay, um, your location, if you're comfortable, your age, or if you're, you know, Nigerians always like to keep mystery sometimes. Um, so, Gen Z or millennial, um, what do you do oh. for a living? Are you single? Are you available? You don't just know that one. Remind our damn business or whatever else you want us to know. So, okay. So, um, let's see. I am a millennial because I'm 33. Okay. Cool, um, cool, cool. So I think I'm like a, I'm like a, I would, you know what? I'll just say I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. <laughs> uh, I live in the Pacific Northwest of the U S. Okay. Um, Let's see. I am in a situation ship mm, with someone. We are. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I would say a situation ship. Definitely not a relationship because we're not in a committed relationship, but a situation ship. Uh, we're cool, figuring cool. it out. Yeah. Um. What other things? What do you do for a living? What other question? Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. Oh, nice. I work. I've worked in various uh, branches and areas in psychology. Um, trying to find my niche still, but you know, I've been through the ringer a little bit because of my career. So uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So uh, on this religious spectrum, what do you identify as? Are you irreligious, atheist, agnostic, or you don't do labels? Uh, while I don't particularly love na- labels, I I would identify as like agnostic atheist just because okay. I don't like I've gotten to a place where I personally do not believe in the existence of a god. Okay. But I am open. I don't ever want to be you know 
objectively like saying yes or no about certain things, but uh, I'm open to like, if someone can prove to me beyond doubt, yeah. and I mean like extraordinary proof, I don't yeah. want like, oh yeah, my my illness got healed. Or this. I don't yeah. want like random shit like that. I yeah. want like beyond the extraordinary. If I have proof of stuff like that, I am open to talking about the possibility of the existence of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense because I always say that virtually all atheists are agnostic too because mm-hmm. there's just no damn way you can prove it. And part of the reason why most some atheists or let's say most atheists or atheists that don't like using the agnostic label is because mm-hmm. when you put in that agnosticism, the thieves won't yeah. be like, aha, you don't know. So therefore, they see that as a as a, a hole to shove in the the existence of their god, which they are yet to prove. Yeah, no. So they use that mm-hmm. uh, you being unable to know everything mm-hmm. as the place where their god is hiding. Yeah, but that's the beauty of agnosticism and atheism. Is like I'm okay saying I don't know. Like I don't, I don't want to just have an answer for everything it's not possible to have absolute answers for everything and i'm comfortable saying i don't know you don't i don't have to do the like mental gymnastics to make (laughs) god the reason for everything and you know what i'm okay with that yeah 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 that makes sense that makes absolute sense so agnostic atheists how would you define atheism Mm -hmm. how do you define atheism the word atheism uh I, for me, I always just define atheism as I do not believe in a, like, I personally do not believe in the existence of a God. I don't know. I would say, like, I don't believe in a God that cares about us and wants to connect with us and wants to, you know, have all this personal relationships with us. Um, I've, I've thought in the past that maybe there's like a clock watch or like a watchmaker God or whatever that (laughs) theory is where there's a God who made us, but he's just kind of outside of our thing. Just basically we're kind of like exactly we're like lab rats we just kind of happen to pop up in the scheme of things um but barring that i don't like i think for me atheism is like i do not believe in a god like period i just don't believe in one i don't i don't even know if i see the reason for one or like i see a necessity to have a god like this need for us to have like a thing that's bigger than us and does everything so that we can be comfortable or not question our humanity or have too many questions about mortality and stuff like that so mm, all right i like that i like that you know this whole um when when the people that usually say uh, what if god um there's a god that just created us and and, <laughs> and went the fuck away just to go and chill i'm not like if we are going to be trained possibilities who said that <laughs> some higher beings who are not god as you define they are just higher beings and we are just some yeah. simulation or culture solution mm-hmm. in some places and see how we developed because the way we look mm-hmm. at bacteria in a in a petri dish who Ooh. says we are not bacteria mm-hmm. in somebody else's kind of petri dish looks <laughs> like we can begin to go Ooh, mad what's the name of that will smith movie the one way there's like the multiple universes and like the earth is like this very very tiny universe in the grand scheme of things will smith oh dang it yeah it's a will smith movie from like several years ago the one with the aliens in it yeah it should be men in black oh yeah that's the one that's how i I feel like the world probably is maybe there was a small planet i think it was like 
No, there was, there was, I think it was like a after, probably like a after the credit thing where like the earth was basically just a tiny, tiny thing in this grand scheme of this massive universe. Oh. That's how I feel. Yeah. I think it was like an after credit scene. Okay. Post credit. Ah, okay. I need to go and watch that thing again. Oh, I gotta find it. I'll send you the link if I find it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because everybody just is, it feels when people always postulate this God is a creator. I'm like, mm-hmm. you, I see where you're going. If let me just shorten your journey. Okay, there's a creator. What are the <laughs> characteristics of this creator? Then you begin to see mm-hmm. it is the person's uh what they got the person's religion that we, they used to start ascribing characteristics on yeah. this quote unquote mm-hmm. creator. So both the Christians, yeah. the Muslims, and even the traditionalists, there's been this rise of Ifa people. And they really, yes, like in Nigeria, yes, in Nigeria, even in the US, there, like mm-hmm. they are very vocal and you know, they are well read, so they they able to communicate yeah. Ifa. We're able to know that even this uh, right. Juju, the way it has been portrayed by mm-hmm. the Christians and Hollywood is just um, propaganda. <laughs> even I mean, but, it kind yeah. Of is. <laughs> But they still have superstitious beliefs that mm-hmm. are unfounded. And I always tell them that, yo, foreign bullshit and local bullshit are all still, <laughs> still bullshit. <laughs> so let's cut the crap. You keep saying mm-hmm. a creator, a creator, a creator. The same thing with the Christian. All you, all you, you are doing now is swapping names. Christian will say Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, Muslims will say Allah. Uh, yeah, you guys will say what? Olodumare. We are, we've mm-hmm. agreed that Olodumare is not Yahweh, even though Yoruba Christians try to ascribe Olodumare as Yahweh. We know they are not the same, but still, mm. it is still unproven, still a claim. Yeah, but they don't see it. But yeah. they are always very, very logical in criticizing Islam and, mm-hmm. and Christianity. But they are still banned, yeah. so let's, let, let them have it. Hopefully they don't have enough. Yeah, I feel like everybody's able to sit on their own t- at their own table and like point fingers at the other table. Yeah. And realistically, when you look at because my family, there's a lot of Muslims, a lot of Christians, and there's actually some traditional worshippers in my family. And like every single time we sit, like quote unquote, like metaphorically sit at the same table, like we're in the same space and have conversations, like they're pointing fingers at each other. And I don't know if you've seen that Spider-Man meme where they're just pointing uh, fingers, yeah, yeah. Like, like everyone pointing <laughs> fingers exactly. back, and I'm like. Yeah, you, do you, you not do see this, how you're you saying the exact you, same like, thing yo, in different fonts? You all can see each other's fault except your very own. Exactly. It's it like absolutely insane. It's like a, like a, like a civil war. It really is. I, I was having a conversation with someone recently and they were talking about, and it was this African uh, dude I was talking about, I was talking to, and we were talking about... Um, you know, like religion and what that looks like. Cause it's a conversation that for some reason I always almost end up like having with people um, just because everybody is, you know, so religious, like in the African community, especially. Um, and we were talking, he grew up in a Muslim family and uh, we were talking about like beliefs, like Christianity versus Islam and like what these beliefs look like. And essentially like they were very, very similar. I mean, I know they have their fundamental differences, yeah. but a lot of the things they do are so similar. Like Christians went like, you know, Muslims want to do the jihad or Christians went on like the crusades, the, the, the crusades those things. And 
everyone is like doing the exact same thing with you know sounding like they're doing different things and i'm like no you guys are all the same you're all doing the same thing you're all going to perpetrate like lots of evil using different names you're, you have the same practices you have the same very similar beliefs um but very similar things just in different fonts and you keep pointing back to like these other people saying like oh well the christians have got it wrong and the christians are saying the muslims right. have got it wrong and i'm like you both doing the same thing <laughs> why does it matter you know it's, it's it's always a it's always funny to watch them go at each other you just sit down eat popcorn well, it's, like, it's when, hilarious. when muslims and christians are attacking each other i say this is a whole called abrahamics civil war you know, Ooh, the, you, yeah. know the, you know the way mm-hmm. captain america civil war right? like abrahamics mm-hmm. civil war <laughs> fight each other <laughs> I want to see a movie about that. I'm that I want to see. Oh, I used to call it the Bible Cinematic Universe. We'll, we'll create it one day. Ooh. Yeah, you, we should totally do it. We, have the we should totally do it. We should totally do it. Yeah, I, would yeah. be, I would support it fully and totally. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So let's go into your religious background. How how it all began. Take us from the very start. <sighs> let's 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 uh, express uh, your journey with you um so because I, I was born in nigeria and i moved here i think like late elementary school early middle school so but like it's sixth grade i think um fifth or sixth it's grade i can't sixth recall grade in nigeria, and Thames is what is it primary six i uh, think it would be primary six um okay because I'd left, I, I completed five in Nigeria. And then by here I got six. And, um, before that we were very like, my mom's family is very like traditional worshipers and a lot of Muslims. Um, her dad was a traditional worshiper and her mom was a Muslim. Um, so she grew up in a Muslim household and, you know, they were very, she came out of that, like very Muslim, like her, um, mom. And, so I kind of went to the mosque a little bit and I went to like, um, like the Islamic school where they were teaching us Arabic. Yeah. I remember doing that when I was like five or six in my grandparents' house. And then something happened. I don't know what it was. I was a child. So I just went, my parents told me to go. My parent, my mom started to go into church. My dad just wasn't, was irreligious. He didn't go anywhere. He just didn't really care. But she eventually started going to church. He started going to church. So they started making us go to church. And it was an Anglican wow. church. The services, oh my God, the fucking services. They lasted for so freaking long. We would have to eat lunch and dinner at church. What? And we didn't even bother going back home because we had like house fellowships after church at like six. So we would leave church at like four, 4.30ish and head straight to like wherever we're church? doing. No, I don't. I just remember it was this anglican church and we stood for everything yeah. and i was always hungry um i don't remember the name but <clears throat> i know my brother went to nigeria i think it was like a year ago and he said that his friend he and his friend like drove by there one time and he just remembered like a flashback of a memory of us like <laughs> being hungry in <laughs> service and using yeah, our offering money PTSD to shit. go buy a snack yeah yeah, it was not a great, it was not a great thing. Um, 
but then we moved here and my mom's like really wanted uh like a nigerian nigerian church um and we don't we didn't really have that around a lot of the places like when we first moved here uh when we actually first moved here we moved to new york that's where because there was like a there's a, a big nigerian community in new york my parents felt it would be like easier to kind of transition with having support around us mm-hmm. um and so my mom's like trying to find like an Anglican church, but we couldn't really find one. But there was like a lot of like redeemed churches for yeah. some reason. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of global franchise. Oh my god, yes, that is what I would call it. There was one like every stone you throw in like a lot of states, and. I remember going and I was like, okay, I, I don't really have the energy for this, but you know what? It's less worse than the Anglican church where we'd spend the whole day there. So I'll take it. Um, and then as time group, as time kind of, you know, moved on, my mom decided like, I, I think he was like a friend of ours, like a friend of hers, uh, invited us to a charismatic church. And that is, it's been downhill from there. Um, my mom is still very much a part of the charismatic church. So is my dad, my dad's like, I don't think my dad is really religious. I think he just follows along because my mom is very strong willed hmm. and she like makes everyone around her do the things that she wants okay. us to do. <laughs> I feel like he just doesn't want to argue with it. So he just goes for national um, peace. Exactly. Cause anytime he doesn't go to church, like when we we're growing up, they would get into arguments about him not setting a good example for me and my siblings. Wow. And I'm like, I don't care whether you go to church or not, sir. I, I really that's don't some, give a shit. So I'm gaslighting shit. Oh yeah, my parents are whew, they're great at that. Um, and so I remember like just going to this charismatic church and people speaking in tongues and like yelling. And then we went back to services ending at three o'clock. And I was wow. like, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. And I don't even think I feel like maybe there's like one or two other Nigerians in that church. It was very like a Black American church. Okay. Very. There was a bunch of like white people over there also, but like, it was very Ameri- like. It's probably like 10, 11. Wow. Maybe like early, like almost a teenager, like almost 12-ish, I think. Um, and we would go and I would sit and it was like one of these services where it wasn't like a scripted service. It was as the spirit leads. So we would come in the morning at like 10 and we would walk in, they would do like praise, they would do worship and they would do like offering. And next thing, the, by the time the preaching started, it was almost always a deliverance thing of some kind. And there was always casting and binding. And I was just, which is, I was like, I was like, I was so exhausted. <laughs> Cause I have like friends at school who, who like went to, you know, churches and this was not the church they went to. Like there was no casting and binding and there was no, um, almost emotional manipulation. I, as I look back, at my, you know, understanding of what a cult is, I would definitely say that church was a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, like everybody had to believe the exact way they believed or they weren't going to heaven. Mm-hmm. So like the things that like, I remember the pastor actually coming to visit my family when like the first, after the first two or three times we went there and he came to our home and started commenting on the things we had in our home. And he commented mm. on how my dad like let me wear pants and how he let me wear, um, I like had like a lip gloss on. I was like 12. First of all, he was an adult fucking man. He should not have been looking at a 12 year old girl making comments they about are her body. They fucking predators, all of them. 
Exactly. And I just remember like looking at him, I was like wondering why he was telling me what I needed to be wearing. He's just the pastor. Like, what is, what does that have to do with me? And he would make comments about like, Oh, well, you shouldn't be spending money this way. Like you need to honor God, like the glory of whatever, whatever. And my mom would like donate money for everything. Like if they said there was money needed for something, she was right there. And I don't remember just, I, I, a lot of the memories from there, I just remember feeling bewildered, befuddled because I couldn't for the life of me understand why we would do all of these things for quote unquote God, because I didn't see any of it like affecting God. It was always about the preacher, always about the apostle. And I've always been a skeptical person. Like my mom used to call me when I was a child, she used to say, uh, I too know what she used to call me. (laughs) Always trying and, to to make you feel bad for for being knowledgeable. Yeah, for wanting to have for answers to questions. questions that they haven't asked. And when I was maybe fourteen, I was in this youth group um, with a couple of girls from my school, and we went to the same church, so we would like be in the same youth group. So we kind of like saw each other everywhere. And I had been asking some weird questions at the youth group. Um, just like, you know, like if God sent, I remember the very first question I asked was like, okay, so God sent Jesus to like die in like Israel. Like, what does that have to do with us? Like that happened in the Middle question. East very good a question. long time ago. How does that connect with us? Cause I really wanted to know. I was like, okay, if God chose me, then why didn't he send like people to Africa? Why didn't he send people to like America? Why didn't he send people to Asia? Why didn't he send his son to all these places? Well, he's God. He can do that. Why did he send one man to the middle of the desert some 2000 years ago? And how, what does that have to do with me? Like, why does my life have to change because of something that happened to some Israelites several thousand years ago? And my teacher was annoyed. I could, he was, he looked livid and he was like, we don't question God. We don't Uh ask those questions. He's already given us grace. And now you have the gall to ask these questions about his goodness. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not asking you to unravel the whole of Christianity for me. I'm just telling you, I'm asked, I'm trying to connect with the story you're telling me. I'm trying to connect with like, why me? Why is he here to save me? What did I do that needs saving from? Like, it was just a simple question. And for some reason, they were angry. They told my mom. My mom got angry. She yelled at me. Um, A lot of the youth group girls didn't want to hang out with me anymore because I was asking too many questions. And like I said, a cult. Um, So, you know, the cult thing is they try to isolate you. And my it kind of got to like our pastor apostle dude and he called me aside and he was like, okay, pretending to be very like, into listening to what I want to say. Um, but almost just being very dismissive about everything I had and just basically saying like, you know, I am the one that God is like put in this place to guide you and your family. And I'm telling you that you need to be more, you need to calm down and just accept the grace. It doesn't have, you don't have to have all your questions answered. And I was like, I know that, but this seems like a basic question to know (laughs) why, why does that connect with me? Um, it just, I had questions, nobody had answers. And they, every time I tried to ask questions, I would be shushed. 
Um, and I just remember growing up and asking and telling my younger brother, and I was like, as soon as I'm able to leave for college, I am leaving this town, this state. I want to go as far away from here as possible <laughs> because there's no way I can ask questions around here because our life is very, very religious. Like, remember I said, it was like kind of a cult. Yeah. Everything we did was that we went to church on Sundays. We went on Sunday evenings for like fellowships. We went on Wednesday for wow. like midweek. We went on Thursday for because I was also I had to be a worker because if you're not a worker in the kingdom, you're like wasting the grace of God or wasting your whatever. So I had to be in the choir. Choir practice was on Thursday and Saturday. Wow. I was going to church like four days a week. Four days a week. That is insane. Yeah, it drove me mad. And now people are surprised I don't want to step into a church again. Um, but it was just so every religious thing growing up left such a negative impact on my life. Um, and so something happened when I was younger, I was like 15, 16 at the time. And someone in our family passed away and it was so jarring. It was, the, I think it was one of the first times I ever, like I ever had to, look at death in the face like yeah. and come face to face with mortality and what that looked like and i was grieving i was hurting and this family member was a very close one to me and you know at that time grief and pain are some of the biggest motivators to fall into religion i just was like i turned hardcore into like god i was like okay uh, and one of the things that I came out like now that I'm kind of the veil has dropped. Yeah. Um, one of the things I realized at that time was um, we needed something else to, you know, make us feel like this pain was, wasn't for nothing like that. We're not just losing someone. Yeah. And that, that made sense as to why we would turn more into God. And I just remember turning so hard into God and begging God to forgive me for my disbelief and for walking away and all this stuff. And my mom was so proud of me hmm. for doing that because she was like, Oh my God, she's finally find Jesus. He's touched her heart. I always still had like a little bit of doubt in my heart, but I just, I, I kept turning harder to God because I was like, if I turn to God like hard enough, maybe I will understand what people yeah. are saying about like, maybe this will if connect. You do the actions long enough. Exactly. So if I do it long enough, fully come. it will connect. It did not connect. Um, so like throughout college, I drifted in and out of like this relationship with God. Um, I would... When I first got to college, I was like the, the good Christian girl, the one who judged everyone who had sex, who judged uh, everyone who smoked, who drank, who used drugs. I was, my cousin used to call me Jajina. That's what she called me. She's like, oh my God, you're so special. Uh, <laughs> and thankfully, we're in a, we're in a better place right yeah, now. Um, and she doesn't call me that anymore. But she, I, she, because she was one of those people, like I went to the same college she did and she was like a year above me and she would go partying and she would go like have fun. And I would like be a tattletale and report her to my parents and just be like, Oh my God, she's like dishonoring the family where she's at. And I like throughout college, I think it was by my third year in college, I had like been doing some, very serious like work in church like i was like all of the everything's i volunteered for and then i had a issue with my uterus and had to have surgery and 
I remember at that time our apostle saying like you don't really need it like it's just something about like the medicine of man and you know how God is going to reach in and replace whatever needs to be replaced what <laughs> and I remember just sitting there for thankfully my dad has common sense my mom not so much at the time not trying to be disrespectful because she yeah, was like okay let's yeah, wait and like pray what? I understand that <laughs> my, my mom <laughs> stopped taking uh, blood pressure medication because of faith so mm-hmm. I, I can relate to it too I just it was like I was in pain and I'm not like I was in a lot of pain all the time like the stomach hurt like the stomach pain was like from the pit of hell like that's how that was and i was in pain i had to take time off of school um i was in so much pain and we would like have like prayer sessions for like maybe like a week to almost two weeks almost every day praying for god to replace my uterus and to take the thing away and to like take the like tumor Mm -hmm. and stuff away and i was like and at some point my dad is like the sweetest man and he goes along with everything my mom says but he does he is smart and at some point i remember him coming back from work saw me on the living room like floor just crying in pain and he got up and he told my mom he was like we're stopping this nonsense right now she's going to the hospital and he took me to the hospital the doctor was like yeah we have to operate like right now because this is kind of not like this is not good it, it could rupture and we would be in a very bad position and she could be very dead wow. and that was the first time in my life that i really really i think that was the first time that it hit me how much i did not really mm-hmm. connect with like the healing thing or god as i kind of sat in the hospital recovering i was like i cried at my most earnest in pain in absolute agony and i begged god and Mm. nothing happened not a single fucking thing happened like i people were people would come visit me from the church and be like you know like god has healed this person he's raised this person from the dead and i'm like okay but i'm still here crying and dying so like i don't know what you want from me (laughs) but um I'm going to need him to heal me or we can, or we need to move on. Yeah. Um, and I remember being in the hospital and the uh, pastor man came over and he was like, well, God has provided healing for you through this. And I was like, sir, <laughs> you literally told us not to go to the hospital. And I was literally like dying. And that's why my dad put his foot down and was like, no, we're getting her to the hospital. And now you're saying God used this, like just the backtracking, like absolute trash fire of that, like backpedaling huh. on what he said for me was like, okay, that's a red flag. Yeah. Like, why would he, the person God sent to like us for the one true church, why would he be lying? Why would he be lying? And so began the unraveling of my faith. Um, huh. I got healed. I got better. I had more questions than answers when I came out of that experience. Um, I didn't trust my mom for a long time. Our relationship just started getting better recently just because I, I felt like she put her faith above my health while I understand logically like how that is um, understandable because that's what she could cling on to that time. Like at that time, um, I don't, if I had a child, I, I would hope that I would do everything for them to relieve them of pain. Like, I don't think I would watch my child for like two, almost two weeks straight in pain without taking them to the hospital. I can't, I wouldn't do that. Um, so it caused a lot of mistrust. The, yeah. the virus of religion, what it, what it can make sane people do. Yeah. 
It's like it makes very smart people do very stupid things. No. Like it was bewildered. It was such a bewildering experience to me. And I graduated high school a little early, so I went to college away from the state, as I promised that I was going to do. <laughs> um, and being in college, aside from being like a little trash fire at the beginning where I was Georgina to everyone, um, it was like an enlightening experience because I got to meet like Buddhists and I got to meet people that were sick and I got to meet people that were, you know, Muslim, but like yeah. different parts of being Muslim, Christians, but like different parts of being Christians, yeah. the evangelicals, those people. Crazy I got to meet like all of, yeah, they are like fucking insane. I thought charismatics were crazy, but like evangelicals, they are the ones that are insane. <laughs> And so I, I was forced to confront like my limited beliefs in college. I was forced to like look at what those beliefs meant and how, how it truly like affected my life and the life of people around me. I would like to think that I'm an empathetic person. I don't ever want to see people around me in pain or suffering. And if I'm a mere broken human who doesn't like to see people around me in pain and suffering, why is God a perfect being watching people around in pain and suffering and doing nothing about it? Because it works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Unfortunately, mysterious ways does absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> I'm going to need those ways to be less mysterious, you know? Um, and I started to notice, like, and I, I was studying psychology, so yeah. I started to work with people. I was doing internships and was doing um, like work study program type things and my first foray into like actual like psychology was working in like the intersection of psychology and the court system. So like working for like mental health court or working for drug court, but working with people who, you know, whether that's like reasons of substance abuse or primarily mental health issues kind of ran into legal problems. Um, I also kind of worked with people who had been like are on parole or on probation, just doing evaluations and um, providing, you know, psychology, like psychotherapy, providing um, counseling for them. And I, at that time, got to meet so many people in my career, differing people from different like worlds, people that identified as Christian, people that identified as religious, people that identified as atheists. And the more I worked with these people, the more I realized the Christians were the worst. They were the ones who did the absolute worst. And I'm not saying that all Christians are bad. I would never say that. I know some amazing Christians in my life. Do I think they're slightly delusional? Yes. But they are still amazing people. But these people were like absolutely delusional. Um, The first case that pushed me into really asking the question like of evil like that big question everybody asks like if god is good and all that stuff why why is there evil in the world was working in a case with a man who has raped his he raped his daughter repeatedly um and at that time i was working more with like because i was getting like my trauma certification like with as much trauma certification as you can do but more mostly just training in trauma counseling at the time and um I was seeing the kid, a nine-year-old kid who had been raped repeatedly by her dad. And this kid had every conceivable problem at the time. Like she was experiencing psychosis. She had PTSD. Um, she wouldn't sleep. She couldn't eat. Like everything that you would expect of a situation like that um, was playing out. And um, I also followed her to court 
during one of like the, I don't even know if I call it like a sentencing or a hearing or something. I did follow her to court at the time. Um, cause sometimes I was allowed to do that for like victims of sex crimes or victims of whatever crimes I was dealing with at the time. And just to watch this man try to present this sob story where he is now a reformed man because he believes in Jesus. Fuck. I have never felt such nausea in my entire life. I just remember this wave of absolute nausea like rolling over me because the twat that was her mother was falling for that shit. Like her mother was very like Christian and actually initially didn't believe her when they reported the abuse. Like the kid had reported the abuse to mom like once or two times and mom didn't believe her because their dad is like a good man. He's a hardworking man, that kind of thing. And um, I remember sitting there and just having this wash of nausea over me. And I was like, why would you let why would a good God let a child be hurt? Because I don't see like, I know that we live life and we learn lessons along the way, but I don't see there is no lesson a nine year old can learn from being raped multiple times by, by your father. father. Exactly. And look, I'll be honest. That's not the first kid I saw who did. That was not the last kid I saw who that had happened to. In fact, I've met about like over my career, maybe 25 to 30 of those. And I remember just being like, you've got to be shitting me. Like the mom is sitting, I mean, custody was taken away from the parents because, you know, mom didn't protect kid. Dad was an absolute, you know, pet predator. Yeah. But just seeing this play out and seeing him, you know, try to get on people's good side by saying that he'd now found Jesus again and he's begging for her forgiveness. And, and, and I was like, looking at this kid and just saying like the damage that he's done to this child will never go away. Like she can grow up and probably be in a better mental space. Like she'll probably find some healing. I'm hoping for her, but the reality is like the scars that he's left behind, there will be all, there will always be those scars. Um, and I remember calling, I don't know. It wasn't my mom. It's probably like an aunt or someone, someone from the church. Cause I was still kind of, you know, I was walking away, but I was still in contact with these people because they're very enmeshed. They don't really let you go unless you rip yourself away. Yeah. And I remember just being so in like an emotional. Um, I remember being in an emotional fog and I called this like church aunt and I didn't want to tell her exactly what was going on, but I did explain it. And I was like, this is what's happening. Like I'm feeling so much emotional, like, stuff from this like just i'm feeling a lot of emotions like why would this happen when god is quote-unquote good all the time and she was like you know well this kid may end up growing up to minister to other kids who've experienced things like that like and i was like oh hold on kid will grow up to minister to kids just like her i am asking where they're why there are kids like her in the first place like are we just going to continue letting people be abused so that quote-unquote like glory can be to god later and she was like sometimes that's just god's way of getting people's attention i'm like hold the the fucking phone up and just like the logical gymnastics you have to do to get to a place where we are rape apologists that that was like that was what threw me because i was like 
what are you talking about? Because you're not explaining this like you have an iota of common sense. And I thought you were someone who was smart. That's why I called you about this question that I have. And I left that conversation feeling a lot more angry um, than I anticipated. Um, so after working in that field for like in that area for a while, my parents realized like it was taking a toll on me, like doing trauma work with like victims of sex crimes or working in the court system. It, it can be very hard on you mentally yeah. um, just because you are seeing the worst of people all the time. That's literally was my job every day, seeing the worst of people, hearing the worst of mankind, um, just on a day to day basis, working 40 to 50 to sometimes 60 hour weeks, just hearing that back to back to back. And, um, my dad, one day he came over to visit me. Um, and we sat down, we're talking about it. And I just broke down telling him about like how I have so many questions because of all this stuff. I remember I said, my dad's the one that was kind of just, he just follows along with what my mom says. Yeah. And I remember sitting there. He, the first thing he said to me was like, look, I don't have all the answers. Hmm. And sometimes we're just not going to have that, those answers. And he even he said at that moment, like, you're not the only one with these questions. I'm pretty sure there's lots of people like you out there with these questions. And some of the questions you're asking, I'm asking too. And it was a nice moment to connect with my dad because I didn't really feel like we connected in a lot before that. But just hearing him like not yell at me for my questions and not boobiddle me for my questions was very, very validating. And that was like the turning point where I was like, okay, I have questions. I'm going to start looking for answers. And I don't think he meant for me to head in the direction that I was heading with that, (laughs) but he started this, so I'm going with it. Um, I started, well, I think it's like cosmic, the cosmic skeptic and something Kool-Aid. Holy Kool-Aid. Yes. Holy Kool-Aid. He was, Holy Kool-Aid was the very first one I saw because I really wanted to like listen to people who'd come from very like conservative Christian like spaces and trans like people that had walked the journey to, to atheism. I really wanted to see like what that journey was for, what was like for them. And I really connected to Holy Kool-Aid because I was like, this sounds like my people, like the way he described like his own like church community and what that felt like. But like, that was very much like the church community I grew up in. And to see this guy find like rationality and, you know, reality like I mean, I binged videos for days, <laughs> and the minute you start looking at one of these people on Yo, um, YouTube, YouTube you start they start you. popping up all over. All over. <laughs> it was like a bar- it was like a fire hose of information, and Baptism. I would like stay up. I would stay up to like three a.m. like watching videos of like Matt Dillahunty arguing with people (laughs) and um, debates with like just all of the debates, even like the Muslim against the Christian one. Cause I really wanted to know like, what was like, what is our thought process for just accepting this because we were born into it? Like I, I am a very logical person, hence me studying psychology. I wanted to know, like, what is, what is the progression? How did we get from a child was born in this place at this time? He came to save his people, even his own people in his own town didn't respect him all the way to now the whole world has to worship him because he's the incarnation of God. How does that track? I want to know. Nobody really had answers for me at the time either. And um, the older I got, the easier it is, the easier it was to believe in um 
atheism, the real, the reason it was easier to not believe in Christianity rather. And even at the time I was still scared to call myself atheist because I was like, I can't just like not believe in anything. <laughs> what do you mean? People have to believe in something. Um, cause even that was a question my dad asked me. He was like, so like now that you're exploring and saying you're not Christian, what do you believe in? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm trying to figure out what I believe in. And my mom had heard kind of like a, she had like a little bit of that conversation that I was having with my dad and she went berserk. And I mean, like absolutely screaming in my face berserk mm-hmm. and was like, what do you mean? You don't believe in God anymore. Like how ungrateful are you? Oh, wow. Do you know that our whole life is because God gave us this? And I mean like full on, you know, when someone's yelling in your face and there's spit coming out, she came that with flame like, through us for the gaslighting. Oh yeah, she like she came with like fire and the brimstone. Uh-huh. Um, and she was just yelling. And every time I tried to ask the question, I was like, "Mom, like I'm not saying that because I don't believe doesn't mean all of your faith and is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. And I, that's one of the things I've noticed with a, a lot of athe- well, a lot of religious people." in having conversations with atheists is that they think that because I don't believe they're God, then everything I'm saying that their belief is wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying I don't believe what you're saying. I can walk out and it's, you can say the sky's purple. defense. Like, once you declare, once you say those words, what they are mm-hmm. hearing is your God. It's like a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's the word is already an attack on them, so they are going on counter-attack by default. So I've stopped being surprised. But the problem is that they're not, they're not, he, that's the problem is that they're not hearing anything I'm saying. I'm like, I have questions that you're um, dismissing. And I actually was talking to like one of the, because my mom reported me to the church people, obviously. Yeah. And one of the uncles called me. And he's one of those like church uncles that you just, you kind of just generally avoid because they kind of creep you out, but you, you have to respect them anyways. And he called me and he was like, so. I'm trying to do the Nigerian accent. Like, <laughs> so because you don't believe this, like, what do you believe? How can you be a good person if you don't believe anything? And my question wow. was like, why do you need God to be a decent person? If you need God to be a decent person, my God, you are not a decent person. Straight up. Like if you need God to tell you not to murder people, rape children, hurt people, you are maybe just not a good person because the only thing keeping you from being a full-on psychopath is hell. Exactly. And you want to tell me that you're going to die here on earth and spend the rest of eternity singing hallelujah, which is the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard. Like, why do I want to spend the rest of my eternity singing hallelujah? I want to go back to where I came from before I was born. Nothingness. That's where I want to (laughs) be. And I, it was so, I was so pissed at that conversation. And I like called my mom and I was angry. And I was like, I understand that you have your questions and you don't believe what I'm believing right now. But like, I'm going to need you to back all the way off because Whoa. this is going to make me never talk to you again. Um, she listened slightly after yelling at me. <laughs> um, because I was like, you come from a family that was very like highly like traditional religion and Muslim and you became Christian. You have to find your way to faith. So leave me alone to find my way. Like you had to walk your way through those beliefs all the way into Christianity. Like, so let me try to figure this out on my own. I wasn't at the time I was still identifying as agnostic. I wasn't saying I was atheist, but I was like, I'm trying to figure out what I believe in. And you are just like hovering the whole time. And you're not giving me space to figure this out. Like my grandparents even had different beliefs and they were able to live together with those different beliefs. 
they allowed you to explore your own belief. So let me do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think her biggest fear is that I'm going to go to hell, which I mean, feels like all the fun people are going to hell. So I'll take it. Um, <laughs> that has always the, the last, the last, uh, the last gates for many believers. Oh yeah. That's it's what the keeps biggest them in line. one too. It's the biggest one too. I'm still having a conversation, um, with my situation ship, um, recently. And cause she is, um, well, I'm queer, but she is nice. kind of like one of those people who grew up in a Christian home also, but she's also white. So she's kind of Christian, but not like very Christian. Like I was growing up and she, we were talking about this recently and she was like, yeah, the one reason I haven't totally walked away is because of like my questions about hell, because what if it's real? And I was like, well, if it's real, then I'm screwed then. Cause I mean, she's queer. I don't have she's any already... reason. Yeah, she's already, we're already both going to hell. <laughs> like, that is the golden ticket to hell first. Like, we're already even, both going to hell. So, your existence like, is, is, is your, 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 your person is already condemned to hell. So, oh yeah. why, why bother? My, the person, the totality of who I am has been condemned to hell without a notion of, you know, no subtlety, like nothing. It's just, you're queer or you like girls, you are going to hell. And I feel like that's actually one of the things that kept me in the church so long was because I felt like if I walked away from the church, my ticket to hell, like my highway ticket, because I was queer, was already punched and I was doing everything I can. Remember all those like casting and biting things that yeah. I was talking about at the beginning? Yeah. I went to a lot of those because Ooh. I was hoping to cast out the gay. God damn it. I was praying for them to cast out the gay, <sighs> cast out the queer. Pray the gay away. Yeah. Oh, the pray the gay away is like, it's still such a, like a sore spot for me because if a good God made me the way I am, I can't be with a man. I, I be that, that's the fucked up part. Like, your yeah, God is the one that created. So that, see, that's why they always try to turn it around that it is your choice. Because oh, yeah. they like will I, not like accept that it's the way you are made. If not, it indicts their God. Like I would, like I would choose to be a person that you know people would look at and throw stones at. I would choose to be a person who is seen <sighs> as like a, a perversion of love. And I, I was just like, <sighs> so that was like one of the things I carried growing up a lot was the fact that I was queer. I knew I was queer at a young age. I knew that I didn't really like men. I knew, like, I like men as like friends, but that's where it ends. I just yeah. knew that I didn't want to be with a man ever. I tried to have a boyfriend one time. Absolute trash fire mistake. I should not have made. I would never make it again. Um, never. And like I prayed that I tried. I went to like and when we would go to Nigeria to visit. I I go like once every five years, and I went like three four years ago before the pandemic. Yeah. And my mom took me to the redemption camp. Oh fuck! Because we have to. Yeah, every time she goes to Nigeria, she has to go there to go praying stuff and she took me there and um i remember that was the last time i ever tried to pray my gay away <laughs> because i sat there at the altar well as far to the altar as they'll let us go and i was like i just need you because i want to like i want to go up and get married and have kids and have like you know 3.5 kids and a house with like <laughs> a nice house and all that stuff and i wanted all those things but people like me don't get those things in Nigeria. They don't get to be free. They don't get to be um, openly queer. Yeah. And 
I remember sitting on the steps and by the altar just crying because I was like, I, I want all these things. And because I was like in my late 20s at the time, everyone was already praying for me to get married. And they're like, the Lord will bring you some man. He will sweep you off your feet. And for, every time they said that, I, was, I wanted to say, dude, you're saying the wrong prayer. But I didn't want to say I that. I need a woman, man. Shut the fuck up. I'm pretty right. I need a woman. I don't like whatever this is that you're praying for. It's not going to work for me. Um, and so it was just a lot of me trying to pray the gay away for a long time until it was like 2020 where I met my situation. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Nah. Nah, I, I'm, I'm very, very gay. Like, this is not going to continue to work. I'm yeah. not. I already, I'm already going to hell. I already don't believe. I already have too many questions because we're not supposed to question God. Um, like, all the things that you're doing wrong that will lead you to hell, I'm already doing. I'm smoking, I'm drinking, I'm having sex. Yo, I'm actually like, enjoying my life. <laughs> like, after my first <laughs> orgasm uh, from six, like, I, like, I, yeah. I, I still oh, yeah. giving a fuck like, about hellfire. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, nope, hell can, hell can go to hell because all of this is fun Ooh. and I will not live my life in perpetuity, like just At waiting all. for me to die so that something good can happen after I die. Yeah. Like, why would I spend the whole of my existence waiting to die? Like, it makes no fucking sense. Like, this life is for living. We get one. And then we're going to stay here and, like, focus on being holy so that when we die, we will go to a holier place uh, that. You know, that is whitewashed as fuck and then spend the rest of eternity singing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bowing down, worshiping forever and ever, ever, forever, ever, ever, ever. Have you tried to bow down and worship for 24 hours? You Holy know how exhausting shit. that is? <laughs> Muslims do that five five times a day. I'm like, yo. Exactly. I want to do that for the rest yo, of eternity. Like that's, that's a long ass time. Shit. Whoa. That now. Mm-mm. Wow, Ari, your but, story has been really great to hear. Like before we even end, is there one part of something I wanted to ask you about this hellfire? How did you do you was there any particular uh, way you got that you were able to get rid of the fear or, or the fear so the fear was already gone last, long before? I think that the fear was not I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it was all the way gone. Okay. I feel like I just gotten to a point in my life where I was like I had to accept that the truth of who I am is going to hell. Like there was no way that I was not going to go to hell because I would not marry a man. I will marry a woman. Mm. I want to have kids with whatever woman I marry. I want to live my life the rainbow way, the gay way. That's the way my life's going to go. I yeah. accepted it. So I, at that point I was like, there's no way I'm not going to hell. Yeah. Fuck and it. as yeah, like, it's like, fuck it. I'm riding this ride all the way to the end. And I remember I started doing some research at the time. And I can't remember, and I will misquote a lot of things as I explain this, but I remember someone was explaining that at the time it wasn't specifically like, how did he explain it? Uh, I just know, okay, I'll give a vague representation of what I remember. Thank you. He was talking about like, hell itself was not a common thing until I think he was like Dante's, in, Dante's Inferno. Yeah, book, yeah, okay, yeah. Where they started talking about the levels of hell. He was like, the guy was explaining that and I don't know how true that is, but it helped me with my fear. So I didn't care. Um, and how like we brought those things into religion so that like the church could have more, you know, weight behind them so that the church could have more control of the people. And it was now like, you could basically raise your cane and be like, if you don't follow this, this is what's going to happen to you. You think you're suffering here. You're going (laughs) to suffer more here that kind of thing yeah. and so the idea of hell was weaponized yes and when you think about 
hell the way it's explained by people, you would realize that only a man can come up with something like that. Like only a man can say like, oh, there's like, you know, all of these, like can give you like extreme vagueness about something so heinous, hmm. but also extreme details about something, something so heinous. Like only a man can come up with that. Just like, I believe that most gods are a representation of our like, yeah. our minds. Like they are like, like most always, gods are created by man. Obviously the ego of man, of a man is so is hell. It's yeah, just have, yeah, that they have, do that. Huge ego, so. Yeah, it's like it, it, it's what a perfect man would be, like an all-knowing, all-present, omniscient yeah. man. That's that's what they would be. And so for me, it was just a, mar- a matter of reality. Like realistically, hell cannot exist. Like realistically, it cannot exist. You cannot tell me what about the people before Jesus came? What about the people that you know existed uh, millennia yeah, and millions, like millions of years ago? Head has answers to that question of those. Oh please, before, tell yeah. me some of these answers because I want to know. What them. I've heard is that when Jesus died on the cross, he went to to rescue them. That's that's how what? all of them escaped. Like during his when he, when he died, he went to hell. So that was the hack. The hack of that was the that hack that God Jesus' death was a hack. So when he so died, he, he, he was die. full of sin. He took the sin of the world. So he, he had to go to hell oh. because he was a sinful man. So he went to hell and picked up those that that had died. Like, I'm just like, wow, that's a that's a good movie, though. So he's willing to do that, but not willing to give us a hundred percent like solid evidence that he does exist, so that we can all just get on the train yeah, quicker. Yeah, you have to believe. You have to have faith. Yeah, I'm good. But yeah, I'm good. You're already I'm just... born sinful, so automatic sin, manual salvation. Uh, I did nothing. I existed. I did not exist before that, but for some reason, <laughs> the minute I existed, yeah, the sin of are, the world is exactly. You are already guilty by by existence. God, guilty by existence. Uh, yeah. So, Iris, yeah. been great. It's been great talking to you. Do you want Thank us you to so find much. you online? I actually am not online. <laughs> oh, yeah. I avoid social media like the play because of the work I've done in the past. I've had some not so nice threats from not so nice felons. Oh. So oh, okay, I stay okay. away from the online okay. everything. I understand. I understand. Very, very understanding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but that's Thank safe. you. Yeah. yeah. I would rather be safe than sorry. I'm yeah. already going to hell. I don't want to like add hell on earth to my yeah situation yeah. <laughs> yeah fantastic yeah so thank you for sharing your story it was a great having thank you thank you so much for listening really awesome to hear your 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 journey on how thank you so much we need to how, how you open your eyes because little by little internet yeah. is casting everybody one by one it's yeah religions religions enemies the internet so, religion's hold on people is beginning to crumble because people oh, now have access to the information yeah, so. that you know we didn't have before like we have access to like reaching thousands of millions of people to ask like hey this is what i believe what are your thoughts on that uh-huh. and, like getting that input like very fast yeah immediately and being able to decide for yourself like okay this is if i put all of this into this bucket like what do i want to come out with yeah. you know so you i am thankful for the internet uh, for sure me too Thank you for listening to this episode. Please subscribe up Apple 
google spotify youtube and other places podcasts available then reach out via whatsapp if you'd like to share your own story the link is in the show notes below have a great week and i will catch you on the next one